Memory of Jared Ocean. Today we learned the after of Parashat Pinchas. It's on page 1460. It's from the book of Kings 1, chapter 18. It's about Elijah the prophet. What do you know about Elijah? He never died. Never died. Uh, either either shared the either was the reincarnation of Pinchas or uh, was actually Pinchas I read lived on to become Eliyahu. But but it was reincarnation of Pinchas that's yeah. for sure. Yes, and that means that's why you read it after of Pasha's Pinchas. We know him from the from the Elijah from the Pesach from the, from the Pesach Seder the the cup of Elijah. We also see Elijah. Well, Elijah, the, the whole story with uh, the giving, uh, the, um, the, the whole thing on top of the mountain. Where top of the mountain, Carmel, there is a whole of Torah of Pashat Mishpatim, a whole story how at Mount Carmel, he gathered all the Jews because it was a time they were worshipping the Baal. And there were hundreds of prophets running around speaking in the name of the Baal. That the Baal is, is the true God and was only Elijah on the other side. And who, he, was the, he was a king, he was a prophet in the kingdom of Israel. And who was the king? Ahab. Ahab. Mm -hmm. Evil king. Elijah was in a very bad political climate. That once for all he decided he's going to, he's going to do it. He gathered all the Jews in Mount Carmel and he says we will build the altar and the person who can bring it down a fire from heaven, he speaks in the name of God, right? He first he said, you are the many, you start. 400 prophets of the Baal, they offered a, a, a sacrifice on the altar, and there is no, obviously there is no fire. And he said, that's... And he said, you, uh, and he said you, you started, they started, I have a day, they tried to bring a fire. Uh, the rabbi says. <laughs> <laughs> Very discreet. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Uh, the girl's nice, it's a great tan, I like that. <laughs> Sorry. In any case, the, the, I have a day there is the Medrash says there was one guy who, who tried to crawl underneath the altar here to bring to, to light a fire. You know, from far you don't see how the fire came. There is a fire, there's a fire. And a snake killed him. In the afternoon came time of Mincha, Mincha service, Mincha time. Elijah says, now it's my turn. He cleaned up the altar, he poured a lot of water all over him. And <coughs> He turned to God and he says, God, you have to show once and for all who is speaking in the name of God. And a fire from heaven came and consumed the, the, fire, the, 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 the offering. And what the whole nation announced? They announced yeah, one. They said, uh, God is right and all is wrong. They said, yeah. <laughs> but they said something very powerful. That they said, and Yom Kippur before the end of the service. Seven times? Seven times, yes. What do you say seven times? That we say three times. Oh, excuse me. What do you say seven times? We say Shema Israel once, Baruch Shem Kvod Machuto three times, and we say something seven times. God of compassion and... No, I know what you mean. That's we say during the all service many times, yeah. Three words. I know it. Hashem Ua Elohim. God is the Lord. Right? Seven times. This is coming from the story of Elijah in the Mount Carmel. Straight to Yom Kippur. To the end of Yom Kippur. Now it's a continuation of this story. The Jews were, the nation was so angry with the false prophets, they killed them all. And Nachov believed in God. 
Enachov is going home, back to his kingdom, to his palace, and Elijah was running in front of him. It was like a statement, Elijah says, let's join forces together and start to lead the country the way God wants. Now that you saw, what could be a better proof? He brought down a fire from heaven in front of the whole nation. You cannot get anything better than that. I missed what you said, Achav. Ahab. 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 Then he said, then he, that was the best, it was on his best position, uh, Elijah was, right? But let's see how this developed. Excuse me, Rabbi. Yeah, please. Could you speak a little bit about forcing God to create that miracle, like on demand? I'm always troubled with that, and I. Don't it's in His honor. Really it's, it's in Hashem's honor. Um, listen, there are some prophets that God is listening to them. Elijah, actually, when he had an argument with Ahab. He said it will be a drought for three years, right? Mm -hmm. And it was a drought for three years. Hashem was not happy with Elijah's decision, but he lived up to it. From time to time, throughout history, not just in the time of Elijah, God shows an unbelievable miracle that people should see that he runs the world. Like the Antebi raid, that the Jews were saved, then the Rebbe said this line, that from time to time God shows miracles to remind the world that, he runs the, that he, there is a boss. Or the, on the Hudson River, the plane that landed on the Hudson River, nobody came out, people came out without a scratch. From time to time God shows you, don't think it's running by itself. There is a boss here. Then it's not a surprise that a, a, a prophet like Elijah gathers the whole nation and he says to God, let's straighten this out once for all. But you're right, you know what the problem was? Didn't help much. Now people say many times, I wish you would have a miracle. If I would ever make it with the spinning of the sea, if the fire would come down from heaven, no, I would believe. For two weeks, that's in a good time. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the real Actually, our generations that we don't have prophets and we don't have miracles, we live up to a much higher level of connection. Because we show that it's, a, it's an internal, it's a conviction. It's not an outside thing. Look, Moses tried to do anything to bring the Jews to the land of Israel, right? What do you need? Manna. Here's manna. What else do you need? Water, water. A check, a check. What, what else do you need? Ten plagues, ten plagues. Whatever you're spitting the sea, spit. whatever you want, just let's go to Israel. Didn't help them. They don't want to go. You cannot change people with outside forces. It's nice. It's like the icing of the cake. Yeah, it's nice to have a miracle from time to time, you know. Gives you some chizuk, some strength. But you don't count on it. And that's, that, but that, that's what Elijah did. And Elijah, so to speak, can force God because he's not doing it for his own sake. Listen, God cannot be forced all the way. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't do it, you know, right? He, has the, he still has the free choice. He wanted to do, the tzaddikim are, are so connected to God that, they, they, that God is doing the wishes, fulfilling the wishes, because they don't do it for themselves. Elijah did not have any interest for himself to have this miracle. What about the dress right now? Is we'll get to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, now we'll go to read from inside. But I'll tell you, I don't see a problem. We are all trying to force God. When we pray to God, what is this? God, 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 I want There is something that's called Ion Tfila. You shouldn't ask too much. Like, you shouldn't insist. But the bottom line is, the Torah tells us that we could insist. We could ask and pray again and again and again and again. What does Choni, the, the, Choni, the story with Choni, the Amehagel, the one who made a circle, it was a drought in Israel, and he said to God, I swear in the name of God that I am not moving out until you bring rain. And God brought rain. There is stories like this throughout history. Literally throughout history, from Abraham, from Noah, until Tzadikim in our generations. Who said to God, 
Here there is no choices. You're going to do it and finish it. But we don't hear the 50 million other stories that didn't happen for other reasons that the God didn't want them exactly. to Exactly. You're right. You never read the stories that didn't happen. You only hear the handful. You're absolutely right, yes. But it's to begin, it's only an handful. It's only a reminder. It's only used as a, from time to time as a reminder not to lose faith, to know that God runs the show. But, but God doesn't want to be forced to change nature. Nature is also, who established nature? God. It's like you're establishing a certain system in your company. You have the right to override the system. On your computer, you can override it, but you don't want to override your own system. You establish a system for the sake of having a system. Your kid's going to sleep at 8 o'clock at night. Show you from time to time you override the law and you let them stay longer. But you don't want to, to use it too often because you want them to go to sleep at 8 o'clock. Forcing God to change nature is not what God wants. God wants within the world of nature we should serve God. With miracles it's easy. A big chokhmet to do it with miracles. The accomplishment is to do it within the frame of nature. That's what the story is all about. But from time to time we have no choice. I mean, the, st the state of Israel is not one big miracle. I was just going to say. And six-day war. Six-day war is, uh, was an unbelievable. In Yom Kippur, there was sun. The Syrians could come all the way to Haifa, Israel, to Haifa, and they stopped on their own. They later, they, 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 he, was, he was executed, this officer who gave the order. But the bottom line is they didn't go further. There, were, there are miracles. Oh. In Israel, Ben Gurion said that in, in Israel, to be realistic is to believe in miracles. <laughs> To be a realist. I mean, that the state of Israel is booming, and that doesn't make sense. But it is a fact. And today it's actually easier to believe in God. You see so many miracles and, uh, and science. It comes with such unbelievable discoveries that you see that uh, God is putting in people's mind to find the different directions. And what is involved, what God invested in the world, there is so much more to be, to be discovered still. Unlimited. With this introduction, we'll start to read from inside a little bit. God's hand was with Eliyahu, granting him strength. He fastened his belt in order to run faster and ran in front of Ahav's chariot until he reached Israel. The prophet, run, the prophet ran in front of the king, the evil king from yesterday, but he felt that he saw the end of God. He should do tshuva. That's only the last verse in the chapter 18. The main story of Torah and the main story is chapter 19. Ahav told Isabel, Jezebel, everything that Eliyahu had done, bringing down fire and rain, how he had killed all the prophets of Baal by the sword. Okay, okay, who is Isabel? His wife. She who was a she? Gentile Queen. and she was a pagan she, and she yes. wanted to kill all the prophets. Yes, yes, she's an she, evil woman. She, not only she wanted to kill all the prophets, she killed a lot of prophets. Yes, she did. In the land. And two, two, uh, uh, Ovadia, Ovadia saved in two caves. He, pro he provided for, for 50 prophets in one cave, for another 50 in another cave, and he saved them. But yes, yeah, she was, that Ahov was a Jew. Ahov came all inspired from sure from this event. He told, he told everything that happened to Isabel. He was so moved by, by the miracle. He had a neshama, a Jewish soul, you wake him up. He's connecting right away. Isabel told him, what? That's what happened? They, Elijah killed all my friends? <laughs> okay, number two. Isabel sent a messenger to Eliyahu saying, may the gods of Baal do the same to you as you did to their prophets. And may they do more so. At this time tomorrow, I will do to you what you did to them. Simple as that, she ordered a death sentence to Elijah. She's the queen, there's no chachmas. She will kill him, that's what she said. Okay, Mark? He saw that he was in danger, so he got going and fled for his life. He Simple came. as that, prophet a prophet, but you have to pray for, pray for your life. Doesn't mean that God will interfere every time on his behalf. He came to Beersheba, Beersheba, which was under the rule of Yehuda and not Akab, and he left his That's servant. That's why he there. fled to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
He then went into the desert a distance of one day's travel. He came and sat under a um, rentma bush for a shade, and he wanted to die. He said, Hashem, a life of pain like I am in now is too much. Take my soul as I am no better than my father's. Whoa! First of all, what's reminding you? Jonah. I'm surprised that the, the prophets want to die. <laughs> Under the tree. Another, mm-hmm. <laughs> Moses had said this a bunch of times too. Yeah, Moses <laughs> says, I'll gain you know. Like Moses didn't say, I want to die. He said, Moses says, kill me. <laughs> Even better. Well, he said, erase me. No, but in Pasha's Baalois, he says, kill, kill me. I can't take it anymore. Um, but you see, he was, he was, he was going to the, de- in the desert. Why? What strange thing is, now that he was in his peak, Finally, Elijah made the big, made a statement, <coughs> proved that he speaks in the name of God. Now you want to die? Now? A little strange. Okay. He lay down and slept underneath the Ritama bush. Suddenly, an angel touched him to wake him up and said to him, Get up and eat. He gazed around and look. By his head there was what appeared to be a grilled cake and a flask of water. He ate and drank and then lay back down. Okay. That the angel woke him up. Who bought him the food? The raven? The ravens from where? Uh, no story. From where, from where they bought it? From no where they bought the food? It was a cave. A half's kitchen, right? From Ahab's kitchen. Obviously Ahab's kitchen was kosher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. I thought I must have been a deli nearby. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is, he ate what to eat. He ate and drank. Okay. The Continue. angel of God uh, came back to him again. It touched him and said, Get up and eat. As the journey you wish to undertake is too far for you to go without food. Well. And you have to eat before you go. We are in number uh, eight, eight, right? He got up, ate, and drank. Then, miraculously, with the energy from his, this meal, he went 40 days and 40 nights mm-hmm. without any more food up to the mountain of God in Chorahed. Wow. <laughs> this is very strange. First off, he has two meals. And only with the second one does he get rejuvenated with a, a uh, with a vitality to do what Moshe did. I mean, it's it's absolutely. Um, but he walked. Moshe went up on Mount Sinai for forty days and forty nights. But, but, but Moshe was was basically an angel, so he didn't need to eat. And that forty so, days, in this forty days, he was right, an angel. But shall we, can we interpret anything here? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean Elijah eventually disappeared. He yes, didn't die. Yes. Actually, he did better than Moses at a certain point. It's the same mountain, though. <laughs> so is this sure. a forerunner of, of where where things are heading? That he's yeah. able to do this. Absolutely, yes. And he went he went to Mount Horeb just like Moses went up to Mount Sinai for forty days. Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai, the same mountain. How did, how did he know where that mountain was? I mean, he was a prophet, obviously, but uh. from Be'er Sheva for forty days he made it. There. <laughs> I'll tell you, he went. A mount like this, for a person who is a tzaddik, he sense where to go. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a matter of sensing, of sensing, holiness. Like a, like a homing pigeon, they know where to go. GPS. Exactly, exactly, like pigeons. Like the Jewish people, they know where to go, they go to show. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> it's a God positioning system. Exactly. <laughs> GPS. It's a, it's a spiritual <laughs> GPS. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we are in number nine. And we are number nine or what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He came down. He came there to the same cave where Moshe had stood and he slept over there. Suddenly the word of God came to him. Why are you here? Eliyahu, God said to him. He said... Oh, he was sleeping in the same cave that Moses was. How? Where is it written that Moses was in a cave? It was in the cleft of the rock at one point when the God... Well, that, that, that was just to protect him. Yeah, yeah, this is it. And God in the, the same place. He was, uh, um, Elijah came to the same spot where Moses was. 
when, when he was, when, when God revealed himself and showed him the back and not the front, God passed by, yes. Okay. And what he told them, God is asking him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Right? God didn't ask Moses this question. What do you want, Moses? God invited Moses to come up. Here God is asking Elijah, what are you doing here? Basically, you should be with the people. What are you doing here? What is Elijah answering? Number 10. He said, I have zealously avenged God, the God of hosts, and killed the prophets of Baal. For the children of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets by the sword. I'm the only one left, and they want to take my life. Whoa! Whoa! I avenged you. He was avenged the Gadano. He killed all the prophets of the Baal. The Jewish people and the Jewish people are bad, right? Your children of Israel have forsaken the covenant. They destroyed your altars. They killed your they killed the good prophets. That's what the complaints, right? And I'm the only one who is left. And they want to kill me too. So self-centered. Right? I'm not doing what Moses did. He's not, he's not a defense lawyer here. He's, right. he's, he's a prosecutor. Right. This is okay. anything God can tell him. Really? That's a bad, for this I can turn on 6 o'clock news. I don't need you. <laughs> and this is after the whole event from Mount Carmel. And he's complaining to God that the Jewish people forsaken the covenant. The Medrash says that's why God told them, God made it that in every breeze Elijah should come to witness that the Jewish people are fulfilling the covenant. God told them, You speaking Loshonora about my children? Right. You will be by, that's why by every breeze we have a chair for Elijah. From there it's coming. Forsaking the covenant? That's what you say about my people, my kids. He's supposed to be out there <coughs> encouraging the people, helping the people. Number one. Number two, defending them in the eyes of God. Finding why they're good, even though they're bad, to turn this around. Right. Like Moses used to every time, turn things around upside down just to save the Jewish people. Here suddenly he says, and I'm the only one left, and they want to take me again. Okay, number 11. God said, <clears throat> go out of the cave and stand at the mountain before God. God's presence is going to pass. There was a great and strong host of angels of wind splitting mountains and shattering boulders before God. God does not come with angels of wind, thought Eliyahu. After the angels of wind came angels of thunder. God does not come with angels of thunder, thought Eliyahu. After the By the way, thunder could also mean in Hebrew rash, also in some places means uh, earthquake. It was an earthquake. Things were moving down. Go ahead. After the angels of thunder came angels of fire. God does not come with angels of fire, thought Eliyahu. After the angels of fire came a subtle, silent voice. What happened was when Eliyahu heard this silent voice, he covered his face with okay, his Okay, let's stop a silent voice. A silent voice. Then God is not in the thunders, not in the fire, not in the wind. God is in the silent. Where can you hear God? In the silent. People scream loud, you don't hear them. The more silent it is, the more you can hear God. Where was God in the Holy of Holies where not, nothing was heard? The high priest did not say the word, did not have a word in the Holy of Holies. There is God is. Silent represents also humbleness. There is silent, quiet. Nothing there beside God. Isn't that the opposite picture of what uh, Moses had on Mount Sinai with the, the thunder, the lightning, the loud noise? Uh, it's completely the opposite. It's very true. Well, what was it like? What was it like when Moses was on top of the mountain? Receiving. There was a hush, remember? There was a big hush. 
But he says the four years, forty days. You talk, he's talking about Mount Sinai. Oh, I understand it. For the fire, a thunder, yeah, all of this. When the Ten Commandments are being given, there's a lot of noise going on. A lot of noise, because <laughs> it was the way to to wake up everybody. The crowd was sleeping. Was you remember? Before, wasn't it? Was no. It? I think when it got spoken, it was a hush. Whole world yeah, the whole world was silent, yeah. That was before, is right. As when God was spoken, but the voice of God was heard everywhere. Well, but the other uh, <coughs> sounds, the, the fire and the thunder and the, the wind, was also a sign from God. He was sure. trying to change his mood. <coughs> he was trying to tell him. him. Eliyahu said, he thought to himself, this isn't God. And but that, it was. No, no, but the, but the message was, this isn't God. That's not how you convince people with fire, with thunders, yeah, with bringing yeah, yeah. fire from heaven, with making a drought. This is not the way it works, mister. <coughs> In a silent, quiet voice, that's how we bring people to Judaism. Soft, still voice. Exactly, not by making thunders and scaring them and bringing fire on them and bringing them famine. You're not going anywhere. Look, you brought on a fire from heaven. Helped him a lot. Nothing. And, and the lesson, um, Eliyahu reappears at the Passover Seder and at the Bris, and I mean, he doesn't say anything. He's just there. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Still a small voice. The yeah. lesson learned. And it became a very famous expression in Hebrew, God is not, is not found in the, in the noise. Don't make too much noise. That's fair. You see, I'll give you an example. There is certain synagogues, people dub very loud and they're getting all... And so when is the most important prayer? The silent Amida. Sure. And you really connect to God. The silent Amida. Between you and God. Don't make too much noise. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, we're in the beginning of number 13. What happened was, when Eliyahu heard the silent voice, he covered his face with his cloak, because he realized the divine presence was there. He then went out of the cave and stood at the entrance to the cave. A voice came to him and said, what are you still doing here, Eliyahu? The same question again. Hi. Why is the governor asking him the same question again? He didn't like the first question. <laughs> he didn't like the first answer. He didn't, answer. He didn't like the answer, the first answer. You know, when we knew by the Rebbe, when he's saying, ah, it's not because he didn't hear well. He didn't like what you say. It is trying, waiting for you to give you the chance to change it. There's uh -huh. a very famous businessman, George Rohn, in New York. Now he's a big philanthropist. He came many, many years ago to the Rebbe and told the Rebbe all proudly, I started a minion for 120 Jews who have no Jewish background. So I told him, ah, he repeats again, not Jewish background. I said again, ah, he realized something is not right. The Rebbe looks at him and says, go back and tell him that they have the background of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's that thing? He's a Jew with no Jewish background. I remember with Rebbe, Erev Pesach, the Rebbe used to give out packages of matzahs for anybody who makes a, a public seder. And people, it was right an hour before the seder, people used to say, for, they, everyone had to say which place is going, Connecticut, this, this, this. And never Rebbe used to ask, ah, the guy never made it to the Seder. Every time. They made a sense. Were you taking it? You sure? What you? Yeah, yeah, I'm going there. You can take it. Never made it. What I mean to say, when Hashem is asking, Hashem is asking Elijah the same question again, obviously he's waiting for a different answer. He wanted to save Elijah. He was giving him a second chance. Maybe he will change the attitude. <laughs> That's a sad part. Okay. We are in number uh, 14. He said, I have zealously, I have zealously avenged God, the God of hosts, and killed the prophets of Baal. Please help me for your sake. For the children of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets by the sword. I'm the only one left, and they want to take my life. He didn't change his story. At least there's the same story. Right. He said the same thing. Basically, he says that he can't take it anymore. So the still small voice didn't really change his... M. 
mind yet. Basically, what is happening here, again, God, he says to God that he cannot handle the Jewish people. That is not made for it. As we say always, there is no punishment, there is consequences. Look what happened. Number 15. God said to him, go back <coughs> on your way to the Damascus desert through which you came. When you come there, appoint Hazael to be the king of Aram. Who is Hazael? you know anything about Hazael? Um, no? Okay, continue. If you have a historian, does not know what you're doing. <laughs> appoint Yehu, the son of Nishi, Nimshi, as king of Israel, and appoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Avel Mechola to be prophet in your place uh, after you depart uh, this world. Uh, wow. You're God fired. told them you're fired. Fired. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem is that by God you're fired. You're not going to Florida. <laughs> That's the only problem. But Rabbi, how does a how does a prophet, uh, when there's a king and a queen, how does he appoint uh, the king of Israel? You have to read the story how it was. But yeah, he did it. But uh, there. He appointed King David. Well, I Samuel, mean, Samuel, 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 uh, Samuel, yes. Samuel, excuse me. But I mean, prophets appoint. Uh, you know, the but this is a gender king. Dead. This is he talking about uh, the king of Aram, not the king of Judah, of the Jewish people. Yeah. That's all a different story. What is important to us is he told them, go and look for Elisha to make him the next prophet. Who happened to him a similar thing in the Bible? Moses went to Joshua. Uh, yeah. Understudy. When was when when was Moses? What happened to Moses? He lost his. He lost his. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to enter the land of Israel. What, when was Moses lost his leadership? The rock. At the rock. Why? He. he Struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. First of all, no, so big deal. Yeah, I agree. Didn't God, didn't God told them the first time to eat the rock four years before? He didn't sanctify his name. No, those are all little things. It was really that he wasn't. First of all, what is the difference between speaking to a rock or eating a rock? One is out of anger. No. no. Words versus uh, He also versus spoke action. badly about the uh, Israelites that's before what the rock. Saying. What he uh, said? Rebels. 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 Two things here. Well, that's there, right. There are six th different theories <laughs> that the yeah. that the uh, Sachs talks about. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> there is many explanations. But the two things. Number one, there was eating the rock. That was the old style of parents eating the children. And the new style of parents, so to speak, speaking to the children. Moses was, by eating the rock, said, is not up to the new challenge of the new generation to speak to the people. It's not the guys who left Egypt that you to hit the rock and tell them this is what is being done. And God says, basically, by eating the rock, he said, is not up to the new generation. But more than that, the moment he says, Shimon, Noah, Moirim, listen, rebels. Rebels. Yeah. Can't call your children rebels. But if you call them rebels, that means you not a leader. If you don't you don't have patience for them, then you cannot be the leader. Then God told them then appoint Joshua. This is it. Again, it's not a punishment. You're not up to it. How far was that from getting into the land? How many days? It was far far. I mean he died not far, a few a month before a month. Exactly a month. Mm -hmm. But uh, the point is then the same thing happened to 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 Isaiah to to Elijah. I think it happened to somebody else. Well, isn't there a, a, an analogy with Pinchas? Here too, he's appointed to you know to be the priest. He was a priest. But when he's a he's uh, by Pinchas was just the opposite. His jealousy earned him the job because well, he didn't. Well, Eliyahu is zealous too. But here he he's, abandoned he's, his he's, zealousness. He's, but he didn't use it in the way. No, no, no. The, the problem was not his zealousness. It's, it didn't he, use it as long as it was a zealous and he wanted to show that God is strong in the world, fine. You need to understand. Pinchas' zealousness saved the Jewish people, he stopped the plague. Right. Elijah 
brought up feminine on the people for three years. You understand? Yeah, but he also, Pinchas shed blood, though. He, that's what I'm saying. He killed two people and he saved the whole nation. Elijah made the whole nation suffer for three years. How many people died? That's number one. Number two, Elijah came to complain to God again about the Jewish people. Instead of defending the Jewish people, the eyes of God. For example, didn't we spoke lately about Habakkuk? Habakkuk, that he was a prophet, that he defended the Jewish people in the eyes of God. He came to God with complaints that God, how dare, how dare you make the Jewish people suffer? Spoke about the Chavez. I think it was in the after also. Okay. Habakkuk was studying with Nasirat and he says, God, I'm not moving until you, until you, you tell me what's, what, what will be the end? When we're going, when Moshiach is going to come, there'll be an end to all the service. This is the type of prophet that God likes. Somebody who comes to defend the Jewish people. Abraham defended the people, not even the Jewish people, people. Moses defended the Jewish people. Noah didn't defend it anybody. Shem told him, build an ark. He says, what time should I go in? I mean, didn't care. That was, that was, that Elijah, I think Elijah, you're right, by going, coming to the Seder, and be, he's supposed to be the one to tell us Moshe is coming. It's a total transformation of his personality, if you want. Instead of being an angry prophet, if you want, he became a prophet of bringing good tides, good news. That's what Elijah became the most favorable prophet in Jewish history. Everybody knows about Elijah. And you read in the story, <laughs> like he wasn't too popular at that time. Then, okay, let's see what the number 18. Go ahead. Seven, 17, maybe? 17? No, we did, uh, yeah, 17. Yes. 17? Yes. What will happen is they will be your agents to avenge the worshippers of Baal on your behalf. Yehu will kill those who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will kill those who escape the sword of Yehu. I will leave Base. over. Yeah, go ahead. I will leave over only seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that did not kneel to the Baal and every mouth that did not kiss it. Uh huh. And basically, it's not that Chazoel knew who is worshiping idols, and not that Yehu knew this. But Hashem says, in their own way and the way, they will kill the people who are worshiping idols. Who will survive? Those who didn't. It's a very interesting principle that the seven thousand, so-called the righteous remnant. Uh, we see that concept several other places. Uh, for example. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 10. And That's written there, don't tell me. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's this whole concept of the righteous remnant, that the, those who are righteous among the group uh, uh, share so their merit with the rest of the group, basically. Share the merit? Yeah. Here he doesn't say they share the merit. He says they will only survive, the rest will die. Yeah. But they redeem the entire group, all right? That's not what's written now. But the, there are more than 7,000 Jews who survive. There are just 7,000 uh, uh -huh. this group that survive. And because those 7,000 survive and they're the righteous people who are still follow God, that, that's the Listen, justification. This, this concept for, started yeah. from the beginning, from Abraham. From Abraham and uh, Sodom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you said we wrote the places you said? Uh, several places in, in the book of Isaiah yeah. that Rashi picks up uh, when he talks about Isaiah 53, that it's the righteous remnant. That yeah, we're off. you're talking about uh, <laughs> Moshiach, yeah. that he will save the whole world. Well, he will, he, because of him, everybody will, yeah. I mean, the concept is a Jewish concept that the tzaddik atones for the whole people. Because of the tzaddik, uh, the whole generation survives. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's, 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 that is a lot. I mean, there is, uh, and there is a tzaddik, there's one stories in the Talmud on both directions that uh, when, when a tzaddik was in the neighborhood that everybody also was behaving the right way. And when some accident, somebody was killed in the neighborhood, that Elijah the prophet came as an angel to the tzaddik and told them, how could such a thing happen in your neighborhood? Obviously, it's, it's your, a problem that happens that's with you. When tzaddikim saw a tragedy happen in their neighborhood, they took the blame on themselves. They felt that something is not right to them. Like, like the refuge, the priest. What? Like the mothers praying for their sons and the priests yes, in the city of refuge. <laughs> Same thing. Not exactly, but it's okay. <laughs> um, number 19. He left there and found Elisha, the son of Shophat, as he was plowing. 
Twelve pairs of oxen were ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Eliahu went over to him and threw part of his cloak over him to hint that he was to become a prophet. The cloak was the sign of the prophecy, the mantle. And that was it. it, it just, just told him like this. Became an expression, the mantle of prophecy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they still have that even in, 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 in nowadays with someone that wears the cloak. You know, it can be like a the robe, yeah, or, 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 um, almost like a magician type person. Yeah. He has a cloak of magic. Mm -hmm. Not that this is magic, but <laughs> wasn't he already a uh, an apprentice to him, or this is how he becomes the apprentice? It sounds like they're meeting for the It's a little for the first, strange because all of a sudden he threw. First time, aren't they? I don't know. That's what I'm asking because well, it seems very strange because because I also thought he was supposed to be his apprentice or that he was you know his underling or something, mm -hmm. and and there's not much time from this until he disappears. Basically, he chases after him the whole time. He chases after him until he disappears. Yeah, disappears. I think it was two and a half years. I think it was. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it was. If I so there was a little bit of exchange. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I think if I remember correctly, a while ago. Long time ago, I read it. it was two and a half years, something like this. The twelfth uh, piece of uh, oxen is this probably maybe a rep a rep reflecting on the twelfth tribe that is going to take over the, the leadership of the Jewish people. Okay, number twenty. Elisha left the ox, ran after uh, uh, um, Elijah, and said, "Let me please." Kiss my father and my mother, and I will follow you. Go back and kiss your parents as you wish, he said to them. But make sure you come back, for if you come with me, you too will perform great miracles as I've done. Aha. Uh -huh. The re right, right the re reaction was to run after Elijah. Mm -hmm. Then he remembered he had to go home come to kiss his mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> he was a young boy at the time? I don't think he was a young boy. But, but it's, it's a mitzvah to honor your parents. And, uh, you think the prophet doesn't know that if, they, if he would need to go to honor his father and mother, the prophet would tell him, go honor his father and mother. He's going along to kiss his mother and father. Yeah. He's a nice Jewish boy, right? I he know, wants, wants I to know. tell his mother. He wants to tell his mother exactly that he's going. <laughs> if you go, if a true prophet, Elijah comes, you run after him, how am I going to have to kiss my mother and father? <laughs> eh, you don't build an army with guys who are going to say, you know, <laughs> I got, well, just, I got to consult the wife. just leave. His parents don't know where he is. You can send a messenger to the wife to go on an emergency meeting. <laughs> send him a I'll text. See you, I'll, see you, I'll see you soon. I mean, but we will not hold it against Elisha, right? He told him, if you will come with me, you will do everything that I did. What did end up in the end? He did everything that he did? Double. Double, 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 double portion. portion. Because he asked for it. Elijah asked him, should be, I should be able to do the double portion. Yeah. Then he told him, if you see me disappearing, then you'll be the sign that you will do a double portion. That if he did six miracles, he did 12 miracles. I think that, that's a calculation. That Elisha was a greater part, and Elisha actually was much more, I think, much more soft. Yeah. Than, uh, than Elijah. I think most of the miracles of Elisha were good miracles. Besides one or two, I think, or something. But most of the miracles were good miracles. Yes. Well, there's the, yeah, he resurrects two people from the dead. Exactly. Elijah does the oil. one. He also has the oil that uh, we put in. The story of the oil. He feed, feed, feeds 100 people with 20 loaves of bread. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Those, I can take it, off a few more from the but material once, things. Once he did, he did, he did he do something, he, the kids were running after him and talking, making fun of him that he's, uh, that he's, uh, that he's bold. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That one about? doesn't ring any bells. Yeah, yeah, there's a story. What about the leprosy there? Yeah, he heals Naaman, the uh, Gentile general, general uh, right. and dumped him in the right. Jordan River seven times. And then he told the Gehazi that he gets the, the leprosy, showing mm -hmm. that was a uh, that again was a consequence. Mm -hmm. He cures a blind army. Right, one mm -hmm. point. Yes, 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 uh -huh. yes. We need someone like him. <laughs> After all this talk, he says we need someone like him. <laughs> Number 421. 
Elisha went away from him. He took the pairs of oxen and slaughtered them. Using the wood from the oxen's plows as fuel, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people who were working for him. And they ate. He got going, went with Eliahu, and became his servant. Came his servant. And he went with him, and he didn't let him go. He actually was very dedicated. And Elijah tried to escape him a few times, and he held on to him. And he saw Elijah is disappearing. And he said, well, he called him out. And he disappeared. My father, my father, the chariot of, of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. From David we learn that your teacher is your father. From this line. And then he came back to the yeshiva and he told everybody Elisha disappeared. He told me, you come back. And he didn't come back. They went to the Holy Shiva, went to look for him. They looked and looked and looked and they couldn't find him. Didn't he send a letter? Didn't he send a letter back? He got a letter from Elijah. Yeah, yeah Elijah sent a letter. Elijah sent a letter. Elijah sent a came a letter from Elijah, yes. That was really airmail. But they was, they was, <laughs> they were searching for him. They didn't want to give up. They were searching for the, for the Rebbe and they were looking to go. I just want to read the note 12 on this page, page 1462, in the bottom, underneath the line. A silent, a, uh, the silent voice. The si- in God is in the silence. Who is supposed to read? A subtle, silent voice. Some people think that their task in life is to transform the entire world in one swoop. Their talents are simply too precious to be spent on the minor details of other people's lives. This applies especially to rabbis and communal leaders, some of whom perceive their exclusive contribution to Jewish life as speeches to the congregation, clarification of obscure minutiae of Jewish law, and pondering the future of the Jewish religion. Their public addresses focus on pressing world issues such as the need for democracy, nuclear warfare, (laughs) and recent meetings of world leaders. However, such tasks as teaching people how to keep Shabbos, to keep kosher, to observe the laws of family family purity, or to make blessings before and after eating are below their dignity. That is the job of the assistant rabbi. (laughs) The senior rabbi must devote his time to more important matters, making sure that the newspapers take note of his latest activities, and nothing less than the front page will do. Our October teaches God does not come with thunder. Rather, God is to be found in the silent, subtle voice the small acts of caring for other people's needs. But the rabbis, they're all different approach. Every, many, many rabbis and leaders, as the rabbis said, have the approach they're going to change the world. We're going to do something big, huge. And the rabbis' approach was, every rabbi goes to his own little city, and he meets one little girl, and he convinces her to light candles. Then he meets one little Jew, and he convinces him to put on film. And another Jew, he learns with him one page in the, in the, in the Bible, the changing the world will not come by big events, by bringing down the fire on Mount Carmel didn't help him. After the biggest event, he was ready, to, he gave up. The biggest event was his peak point, you understand? From, from Elijah. And then he, had, he went to Mount Sinai, he had the revelation of God, he got nowhere. The event, life, God wants life, normal life, day-to-day activities, the regular challenges, the fight of every day. That's where you find God. In the silent, you find you hear God. In the small acts, you see God. Not in the big events. Abraham, after he, he offered the sacrifice of his son as a sacrifice, that was the last time God spoke to him. Mm-hmm. Never again. Last time his wife spoke to him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It goes together. His wife doesn't talk to you God doesn't speak to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But then he remarried. Mm-hmm. But God didn't speak to him again. What I mean to say is, and that was the, the, that's the lesson that we learned from this story. It's not about bringing down the fire. There is the, the one of the Hasidic Rebbe said that before Moshiach comes, the fire will come down on the other side. Understand? 
in first before us? It means to say the bad side will have miracles, not the good side. It will make sense. They will, you will say, oh, they prove that they are speaking in the name of God. We'll still have told and tortured. Even there, there is miracles. By us, there is no miracles. It doesn't change the truth. Miracles don't change the truth. And the, the commitment that we do the right thing, no matter what, that's what you learn from this story. That it's not about big miracles, but more importantly, is every one of us, always when you see another Jew doing something, you should try to find, to defend them in the eye of, in the eye of God, the eyes of God. Not to persecute them in the eyes of God, or defending them. Not to, that's what you learn from. We are not here to embarrass Elijah. The Torah is not here to speak bad about Elijah, such a great prophet. The Torah is here to teach us a lesson. When I speak, when you speak, when you see, when you see somebody, we can judge somebody favorably or not favorably. Let's take the favorable side. Let's find the reason now to defend them in the eyes of God. To find, you know, maybe he didn't know. Oh, you see somebody, somebody in the show with a cell phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody gets all woke up. He forgot. He doesn't know that cell phones are not such a common behavior here. I mean, he didn't know this. That's it. It's not like he's based. It's, it's, it's also a cultural thing. I was at a, I officiated a funeral for Russian, Russian Jews in New York. The phones were ringing all over throughout the funeral. And nobody even, people continued to talk like nothing happened. The speakers continued to speak like they were not even offended. It's a cultural thing. That's normal. Ah, yeah, uh -huh, yeah, okay, I'll talk to you later. Everything goes on in the middle. I was once in a Chabad event. The rabbi spoke in front of 300 rabbis. Suddenly the phone rings, his phone rings, he picks out the phone, hello? In the middle of the speech. He couldn't miss the phone. He didn't put a vibrator. I mean, when you, when you, he didn't even know of a vibrator at that time. The, the point is to learn to be and Elijah's and the good side of Elijah to always find to defend the Jewish people to learn from Moses.